Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Today's topic is going to be practical information on medical marijuana. I'm so very excited about today's show because my special guest is Morgan Toombs. Let me tell you a little about her. Morgan is the nurse manager of Canada's first nurse practitioner-led medical marijuana clinic called O Cannabis Clinic. She is a multi-published author, humanitarian award winner for exceptional nursing care, as well as an award-winning adult educator. Morgan is passionate about helping Canadians navigate the confusing medical marijuana landscape and believes that Canadians should have affordable and timely access to medical marijuana, even if they live in the Yukon. Morgan, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So Morgan, what actually got you into this arena of medical marijuana? And for the listeners out there, I'm going to switch to saying medical cannabis because it's just so much easier. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. So um, being in this industry was definitely not uh, on my list of things to do. It really fell into my lap. Um, my best friend was, had, has had three hip surgeries and was having issues with pain despite it being several years after his surgeries and issues sleeping. And so we realized, let's get him some medical cannabis because we heard such good things about it for pain and for sleep. And so we booked an appointment, you know, got a referral, booked an appointment, went to the clinic and um, got this prescription for him. And we, in the whole process, it took about six hours. So us driving an hour and then in the clinic was about three and a half. And, uh, and so we got the, the medicine. And then within a week, he was basically a different person and was sleeping better, had no pain, was chipper. And, and just the pronounced difference was profound. And so I realized um, this is really good medicine. And, and yeah, so that's really what like the, the push into the industry is like everybody needs to hear about this. Everybody needs to at least have an understanding that it's an opportunity for medicine for patients. Um, and yeah, that's, that's why. You know, I, I can't agree with you more about that because in my private practice at Functional Medicine Ontario, I'm getting more and more patients who have questions about this, you know, and I'm, you know, this is still relatively new information for me as a doctor, and I think I'm pretty on top of things. Mm -hmm. So I I can imagine for the other health providers out there, it's, it's hard, you know, there's a lot of information out there, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I'm hoping with our interview today, we can kind of, you know, get through some of that stuff. And, um, and then of course, um, there's a lot of, um, how should I say this, the research on marijuana, too. 
Yeah. And and we'll get into that. But, um, but yeah, I've had some patients lately who I've said, okay, we've tried X, Y, and Z. Have you ever considered medical cannabis? And they'll look at me and they'll say, oh, actually, yes, I have, but, but then I don't know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, um, why don't we start with what are some of the most common, uh, ailments people seek medical cannabis for? Yeah, so the the top three, for sure, bar none, are chronic pain, insomnia, or sleep disturbances, either trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, or both, and anxiety. So those are are the three big ones that we get um, the most patients coming through our clinic for. There's a lot of other um, complaints. There's, there's, you know, it's used, it's indicated for um, cancer, nausea, cancer-related nausea, cancer-related anorexia. Um, it's related for, it's, it's indicated for, um, childhood, well, not indicated, but we have patients that come through for, um, childhood epilepsy where nothing else works. Um, we've had a really good experience with patients with that. Um, there's, there's a whole host of, a whole host of issues, but the big ones, um, to avoid confusing your listeners is pain. Most people can relate with pain, anxiety, and orensia. And then one of the things that I learned recently at, um, at a webinar on medical cannabis was that um, there is research on it being helpful also for autoimmune disease for Mm -hmm. multiple or not, not multiple, but um, yeah, multiple chemical sensitivity, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. So like you said, there's a whole host of things. Yeah. 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 um, I believe it's McMaster that's doing a research study on, on some of that too. It's incredible. Like there's tons and tons of research that's coming out of Canada. That's really, really cool. We're actually going to be doing a menopausal research study. It's really indicated for women who are wrestling with menopause. And um, so with the hot flashes, the weight gain, um, like the, um, the hormonal and mood swings. So it's, it's quite indicated and quite quickly the the patients experience um, improvement. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about the research? Because I, it's my understanding that, I don't know, in North, is it North America or in the U S like government funding cannot go towards Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. medical cannabis. And most of the research is done in Europe, actually, like what is going on there? So, yeah, there's a lot of research in Europe. There's a ton of research coming out of Israel. There's, um, I was watching a documentary recently about the the research in the U.S. as well, and um, I'm not super familiar with with the laws in the U.S. around uh, medical marijuana and, and researching it, so I can't really speak to that. But there's definitely, definitely a lot of research um, being done on medical marijuana. There are different types of hoops, though, that people have to jump through. Like, for example, in Quebec, um, you can only ever get access to medical marijuana if you're a part of a research study. Um, a lot of the research studies that are being done, because it's plant medicine, it's it's challenging to do a double blind, like a controlled double blind placebo study. You know, like it's having something that is... Uh, a clinical trial is quite challenging. Um, so a lot of the research that's out there, certainly within Canada, is uh, observational. So it's it's based on the the um, one person's individual story, and then a whole bunch of those people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I guess for the listeners out there, and also health practitioners, that mm-hmm. th- there is research, mm-hmm. and it's it's a growing field. 
Mm -hmm. And even if we just have a case study of just one patient and their one story and how medicinal marijuana or medical cannabis, you know, really improved their health issues, you know, that right there is, is, is research evidence. Totally. Yeah. And we were doing, um, or we're working on doing a research study with a prominent Toronto university. A good friend of mine is the, um, is the director of, of research or the assistant director of research there. And so we were talking about what specifically in medical cannabis we'd be doing. And, um, one of the things that, that I was reminded in that conversation, and I'm not entirely sure how I forgot about it. Cause I was, I was one of her students, um, in nursing and, uh, and so like the good clinical evidence is based on many different factors. And it, it seems like in our industry right now, what, what people are focusing on is the, the clinical trials, you know, like what they do in, in pharma. And so research in that capacity is really only 25% of good clinical-based evidence. And so as, as health professionals, our job is to make our decisions on good clinical evidence. So it's not just the research that is good clinical evidence. There's four, other, there's four pillars. And so there's three other ones that it seems like in the conversation about cannabis gets pushed to the wayside. So, so one pillar, as I said, is research. The second pillar is profession, clinical judgment, clinical, um, like so professional's opinion. And then two, the two pillars are based on the patient's, one is the experience and the patient's preference. So patient experience and patient preference make up 50% of good clinical evidence. And so if a patient is wanting to get medical cannabis and their, and their preference is that and their experience is good, of course, it's, it's a beautiful thing for patients to, to be getting access to it. And so I, I really appreciate that we're having this conversation about research because it seems like in the media, they really talk a lot about, oh, there's no research on medical cannabis, but there is. All of those uh, research studies are based on one person, one person, one person, one person, and all those one people make up a group of people that are then turned into numbers and then turned into a research um, uh, report. Yeah, Even the clinical trials. Yeah, and it all it just keeps growing from there. But yeah. it, it all starts with one doctor's thought or one patient's experience. Yeah. Exactly. And it just grows. Yeah. Okay, so now that we've kind of uh, covered some of the most common complaints, so again, pain, anxiety, sleep issues. Yeah. Um, okay, so I know you probably get these questions all the time, Morgan, but does it make you high? Is it addictive? Is it going to kill your memory? Is it going to kill your brain? Does it make you stupid? And do you have to smoke it? Right. Yeah, really good questions. And these are questions that are, are very valid fears for people, um, very valid like obstacles and, and questions that, that circulate in their brain. And we get them, we get asked them all the time. So first question, does it make you high? Well, it can. So Marijuana is composed of of over a hundred different cannabinoids that comprise the marijuana, the medicine, and so only one out of over the hundred are is a psychoactive um, uh, compound that creates euphoria or that feeling or sensation of feeling high. So there's only one, and there's over a hundred other ones that do not do that. So when we're if if the the lens that a person is viewing marijuana through is through an old lens an old dirty lens of you know the 60s where it's like getting high and stoned that's for sure that's that's you know that's the intention of it the intention of medicine so that's recreational the intention of medicine is not to get a person high the intention of medicine is to do what medicine is designed to do which is to help relieve symptoms and so does it make you high it can 
Um, part of being a medical cannabis patient, though, is medical monitoring and, and getting the right dose for the person's body. And so we don't know what that is. We work with patients to make sure that, that we start them at the lowest possible dose and then increase it to get to the, the lowest effective dose. And so for some of our patients, they don't ever get high because of the different compounds in it. It's not just a THC product. There is a whole bunch of other um, cannabinoids in their marijuana that allow them to get the healing benefits without feeling high or stupid or, um, you know, disoriented. To speak to the um, kills your brain cells. So <laughs> again, if the intention is about getting high and smoking a person's brains out, then um, very likely one would. I mean, even drinking alcohol can kill brain cells. So it's it's. I think that the the, the framework is less about, or the lens is less about killing brain cells. It's about well, well, what's the lens that we're using? So with with recreational, for sure. Um, with with medical, there, again, with the cannabinoids, cannabidiol, which is CBD, it's actually there's good good evidence that that points to it being a neuroprotectant and a neuroregenerative. So it's there's um, we have, there's Alzheimer's patients using cannabis. There's there's research studies out there that that explore there's good um, benefits to that concussion post concussion syndrome. It can help with that. So helping um, the brain and so. So I would say when it's used medically, no. <laughs> when it's used recreationally, that's a different story. In terms of the addiction, um, so there's we, we get this question a lot as well because I think, again, people are, are looking at marijuana as or cannabis as uh, from that old lens, from that old framework of, oh, it's just a recreational drug. So it could be addictive like alcohol or nicotine or sugar. I used to work when I was living in Toronto at an addiction center, and so the the, the my colleagues that we were um, discussing what addiction is, and we recognized that everybody has addictions. Maybe you know not in the pronounced uh, capacity of um, needing to go to an addiction center, but we all have some type of addiction. You know whether it's watching TV or. Um, exercising or eating sugar or eating cookies or you know washing our hands or um, you know playing on our cell phones or playing on Facebook there's we all have different things that we do in a kind of an addictive way so is it is it addictive um, it's it's proven to be less addictive than nicotine alcohol and coffee so I would say you know is it addictive anything can be addictive um, that's pretty profound because I just got off of coffee and mm -hmm. sugar <laughs> Mm -hmm. And, wow. um, and, uh, yeah, that was, I was not a fun person to be around for three days, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the fact that there's proven evidence that its addictive capacity is extremely low. Yeah. Yeah. Means that it's very safe to use. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you were saying that, um, medical cam cannabis, there's many different components. It, yeah. You know, so I, I think of this like it's like any other type of herb. There's mm -hmm. many different components within that herb. Right. And that's why that herb as a whole works so well. But when you extract one single component right. and, uh, and uh, purify it mm -hmm. and then make that into uh, a prescription medicine, then we mm -hmm. start seeing issues happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, uh, can you talk about endocannabinoids? Like we have cannabinoids within our body already, right? Naturally. Yep. 
So we, we, ha- we all, as human beings, this was discovered in the 90s, so very uh, recently, we have an endocannabinoid system. So our bodies are designed to receive cannabinoids. As, and as you say, we have cannabinoids in our system naturally. So a lot of people don't realize that we're actually designed to receive cannabis or cannabinoids. Um, yeah, so did that answer your question? With the Yeah, yeah. I just thought it's really interesting that from a cellular level, there are Mm -hmm. receptors for these cannabinoids. So it kind of makes sense, this natural, more natural approach. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, that's how we're built. Yeah, absolutely. And as we we age, the effectiveness of our ability to produce our own cannabinoids deteriorates. So it makes sense to supplement. Okay, so um, what does... What, what is different about O Cannabis Clinic and, and what does O Cannabis Clinic do? So, um, as you said in, when you were reading my bio, the, um, the O Cannabis Clinic is the first nurse practitioner-led clinic in Canada. So, um, and we were, were, were a pretty new clinic. We work with patients right across from Yukon to Newfoundland and everywhere in between. And as we were getting started uh, in this space with the nurse practitioner model, uh, I called all of the colleges of nurses across Canada because I wanted to, one, let them know what we're doing, and two, find out what the regulations are in each of the provinces and territories, and, and three, find out what their thoughts were about it. And right across the board, unanimously, the, the colleges of nurses were very uh, happy with what we're doing because it's very hard for Canadians to get access to cannabis without paying an arm and a leg. Um, so, for example, in Yukon, which is where I'm from, it costs patients about four or five hundred dollars just to get a script. Like it's a very isolated part of Canada, and there's no doctors up there, or very few, if any, yeah, very few, if any, who actually prescribe because you know for various reasons. Um, so patients have to actually go somewhere else to get their medicine. So without having to you know buy a flight or or um, they can you know do it in some other kind of way, but it costs a lot of money. And so um, so what we do at Ocannabis as I was stepping into the space and, and as um, my boss was building the business, what we, what we were searching for was the, where are the gaps in the industry? And so right now, one of the gaps is, it, it was and still is, patients getting access to timely medicine. Two is the follow-up care. So medical cannabis is a very different bag of beans than um, any other type of pharmaceutical medicine. So with pharmaceutical medicines, you know, you go to your doctor, you get a script, you go to the pharmacy, and then you fulfill the script. With medical marijuana, it is not that easy. You can go get to, to your doctor to get a script, but then what do you do with it? You have to find a pharmacy, quote-unquote, which is um, in, in the world of medical marijuana, it's a licensed producer. And so there's, only, there's about 57 right now licensed producers across Canada, and only a handful of them are taking patients or licensed to be able to sell to patients, and then fewer still who are actually accepting new patients because they want to fulfill their obligations to the current patients that they have. So most people, most patients don't realize that that's the hurdle that they have to get over once they um, get their script or their authorization document more specifically from their physician. So we realized, okay, that's a big gap in the industry. And then the follow-up care. Well, what I, one of the things I love so much about medical cannabis um, over and above it being such an effective medicine is that it's really the patient is the one who decides how much they need to take. And so if somebody, for example, is prescribed two grams a day, well, we don't have them gobble two grams a day. Like if, if you get a script from your physician, you know, and you're prescribed uh, 0.5 
grams you know, four times a day, there are specific times that you take it and then you know that you've done your job as a patient and you've taken the medicine like a, like a you know, good uh, patient. And, um, and so, but with medical marijuana, just because a patient is given two grams doesn't mean that they're going to take all of it ever and certainly not in the first day. So it's, it's, a, it's a teaching the patient about how to self-titrate. And so we start our patients really, really low. Um, so start low, go slow is the slogan in the industry. And they increase the dose based on how they're feeling. So we can't crawl inside of somebody else's body and feel how they're feeling. So we teach them how to really wrap their hands around what they're experiencing inside. And then they communicate that to us through a patient journal. And, and then we, we have nurses that call our patients on a monthly basis to ensure that they're getting the right follow-up care. And that was a huge gap that we, found, we still find in the industry where patients are, are you know, not getting the right medicine. They're spending a bunch of money and not getting the right medicine. Or they're, you know, for example, we had a patient um, who had cancer and they were on uh, just cannabidiol, just CBD. Well, with cancer, they need to be on THC and CBD, but nobody gave them education about what they needed to be on. And so what, so, so, the, so to answer your question about um, what a cannabis clinic does is we monitor our patients. We, well, we, we, one, we see our patients. They don't need to have a doctor's referral. Um, we see a, a wide variety of patients um, in clinic and through telemedicine. Two, we make sure that the patient is actually eligible for medical marijuana. So we don't work with recreational patients. We only work with patients that are, um, are in need of a medical cannabis script. And then we monitor our patients every step of the way. We make sure that they get, they, they get connected to the right licensed producers, so the right, you know, quote unquote, pharmacy, plant pharmacy for their medicine. And they uh, are able to get the right strains, the right method of, of ingestion, so whether it's oil or flour, and then we answer all of their questions about, oh my gosh, well, how do I dose this? What do I do? Because it's very different and there's, there's still stigma around cannabis. So we do, we, we, the business was designed to hold the hand, so of the CEO, to hold the hand of the, um, of, of if their mom was going through the process, what would they want their mom to experience every step of the way? So it would be an enjoyable, easy, and um, you know, effortless experience. So listeners, you can clearly see this is why I said, Morgan, will you please be on my podcast to explain <laughs> this? Because <laughs> uh, you guys, your clinic, like you said, you saw these gaps. Yeah. And it's one thing to get the prescription. And you have yeah. your prescription, little piece of paper in your hand. Yeah. But then what do you do next? And so yeah. that's what your clinic does. And um, I know we have so much more to talk about. So listeners, we will have a part two to this because we do have so much more to talk about. Um, but but even what you said is uh, you, the patient, you have this script. What do you do next? You can't just go to your shopper's drug mart or, no. you know, a regular pharmacy. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, what is the difference between a licensed producer and these um, these cannabis dispensaries, you know, they, they kind of pop up here and there and then they, they close their doors. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, uh, uh, street dealers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we get this question a lot. And sometimes we don't get the question, but people have it. They think that they know the answer. So I'm so glad that you asked this question. Um, so a licensed producer is is the, the the organizations that are able legally able to sell medicine to medical cannabis patients. So the patient has to be a registered patient of theirs, and then they can sell the medicine to the patient. And what that means is the patient can travel on airplanes, 
you know, buses, trains, wherever in Canada, they're able to travel with it. They're able to use their medicine, um, you know, as medicine. Whereas a dispensary, and so the dispensaries are those places that you can walk into. They pop up, as you say, all over the place. Certainly here in, in Ontario, they, they pop up and they close down all the time. Um, and so it confuses people because a lot of a lot of people think, okay, well, once I get my script, you know, just like when I go to the doctor, once I get my script, then I can go to a dispensary and buy my medicine. Well, what patients don't realize is that that is that federally that all is illegal. Dispensaries are illegal. The only way that that a person can get medical marijuana is to have it mailed to their door. And so a patient walking in with a script, even if it's from a licensed healthcare provider, they, it's that, that act of walking in and buying it from a dispensary, which is not um, approved to sell medicine, even though they position themselves as being approved to sell medicine, that's illegal. So um, when we were researching this business, I was very so shocked and surprised because they, the, because of the positioning that those places um, put them, they, they, they tell patients, oh yeah, well we see cancer patients and we see pain patients and we see blah, blah, blah. And, and yet at the end of the day, there's no healthcare provider that's in there. Or I've never been in one that has a healthcare provider. And, um, and then the strains that they're selling are, are recreational strains. So what we don't even know what's in in them like the the licensed producers create lab reports they they get tested by health canada um there's you know three visits per per month per licensed producer where they're they're testing things out to make sure it's it's all sound that it's good medicine for patients things can get recalled if there's if they test poorly so um so you know there's a lot of safeguards with a licensed producer and there's zero safeguards and quite a lot of risk with dispensaries and so, so it's, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, it's such a good, <laughs> a good question. Um, when, when we're talking about, you know, the street dealers and I, I was with our patients, you know, the, the air quotes of, of street pharmacist, um, you never know what you're going to get. We have several patients, um, that, that have been recreationally, uh, self-medicating or not recreational, yeah, self-medicating, but having to get recreational stuff. And they're sim the, because what they're getting is there's no regulations on it. There's no understanding of what specifically they're buying. They, what they're getting is different every single time. So with somebody with anxiety, for example, giving them a strain that increases anxiety is, you know, not a, not a good thing. And yet there's no control when buying from either a dispensary or a, um, a street pharmacist and so or a street dealer. And so, you know, in, in, in my point of view, because both are illegal, both, you know, if a dispensary is just a more glamorous version of a street dealer. And uh, that, that just is, whereas a licensed producer is a credible, um, they've, they've paid a, a lot of money and they've done a lot, they've jumped through a lot of hoops in order to be eligible to um, sell medical cannabis to patients. And, and they also have, a, there's a rigorous process that, that is in a um, consistency process that happens to ensure that the medicine that they're delivering is good quality medicine. So they're, they're, Two hugely different uh, deliver like places where where people can purchase. The difference, though, the biggest difference is that from a licensed producer, you have to be a medical cannabis patient. With a with a dispensary or a street dealer, they'll just take whomever. And so, again, for the listeners, when you hear that term, licensed producer, mm -hmm. you should understand that that is the pharmacy. That is the medical cannabis pharmacy. Mm -hmm. And. Um, Morgan, so you mentioned Health Canada testing. So they go out, you said, three times a month. Mm 
mm-hmm. to these producers and, and test their uh, cannabis. Uh, do you know, like, what do they measure? Are they looking for mold? Are they looking for pesticides? Are they specifically looking for THC levels, cannabinoid levels? That's a really good question. The uh, I'm not like I don't work in a, in a licensed producer, so I only know certain things about it from what uh, some colleagues in the space talk about. Um, so what I know for sure is that th- there's three pop-up visits, so unscheduled visits that Health Canada will deliver upon the licensed producers on a monthly basis. So one of them being checking out their um, checking out their technologies and such to ensure that all of the patient information is secure and sound. One is to test the medicine to make sure that there is, um, they do test for, for pesticides and things like that, that could potentially be harmful for Canadians. So they're, they're testing to ensure the safety from what, from my understanding. And then the third one is, I can't remember what the third one is. It's related, um, to something with, yeah, I can't remember what the third one is, but there's three pop-up visits specifically um, to ensure that this is like a sound environment, both for the patients, for what they're delivering to the patients and, and such. For the for the medicine itself, um, I don't believe that Health Canada would be testing for, for what cannabinoids and what terpenes and what the percentages of the cannabis are. I think that would rest more on the shoulders of the licensed producer who would definitely want to know because uh, one, it's their product they're selling it to their patients and um you know and that's really also based i think on strains the different clones that they're, they're buying i should connect you to some people that work in that space so they can give you more more uh um thorough answers than i have <laughs> oh that would be great yeah okay so um you had mentioned earlier that uh, okay so you like you get your uh, prescription it has to be filled by a licensed producer. Now, you don't like just drive up to the licensed producer, do you? Correct. No, even if you have a script. So say I was I was registered with Organogram, for example. So Organogram is one of the licensed producers and they're in, in Moncton. So say I'm in Moncton. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go buy my cannabis from Organogram today. I'm just going to go check out what they got and just go pick up something and I'll fly it home with me when I go back to Ontario. So even if, with my script and even if I walked up to the doors of Organogram, I could, they could not sell it to me, even though I'm a patient of theirs. They cannot physically give me marijuana. So what, what that means is if there's a whole um, mailing process, there's a whole shipping and mailing process that happens. So, um, so a patient, once a patient gets their script, then it's faxed over to their licensed producer of choice. And so that's, that's the clinic's job. And the patient has to register to become a patient of that licensed producer and then it takes a few days for the registration and the medical document to be put together on the licensed producer side where they're crossing all their t's and dotting all their i's and making sure that the patient is who they say they are that the that the provider who um, created the authorization document is who they say they are and are authorized to prescribe and all of those kinds of things then and only then is the patient fully registered to be able to order medicine and so that's just Step one. Step two is for them to either phone in to the licensed producer or go onto the the website and and then order their medicine through an online web store. And then from there, they would get it shipped to their home. And it needs to be signed. It's typically sent through Canada Post, like Express Post. Um, there's some clinic or there's some uh, licensed producers that's that will ship it through Purolator or other methods. But it needs to be signed at the receiving end because it's medical marijuana. 
So really, there's this whole system of checks and balances that have to go on to make sure that everything is above board legal and that what you're getting is a safe product. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, okay, so earlier you you had said, um, you know, there are only so many licensed producers Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, some of them are not accepting patients because they're just full and yeah. some are still accepting pl- patients. Yeah. So I think um, I think what we're going to do is we're going to end our interview here. And we're going to answer that question on part two of our interview, plus yeah. so many more questions. We have so much more to talk about, don't we, Morgan? We sure do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Morgan, um, uh, at this point, if any of our listeners want to find out more about <laughs> O Cannabis Clinic, uh, where can they go? So our website is O Cannabis Clinic, just like our anthem, O Cannabis dot com. O Cannabis Clinic dot com. And that's just an O, that's not an O H, because I thought it was O H. But but I'm American, so (laughs) Yes, just O C A N N A B I S Clinic dot com. Okay, and I'll make sure that that information is in the podcast notes so that you can easily find uh, that website. Morgan, thank you so much for being my special guest today. This has been an awesome interview so far. Thank you for having me. Excited for part two. (laughs) Okay, so all right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Morgan Toombs. I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today, and I'd like to invite you back next time for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.